1: And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
3: If you think about it, the hallmark of a truly extraordinary church might have three fundamental components about it. A church that's dedicated to discipleship, biblical integrity, and surrounded by dedication to the Great Commission, the greatest commandment, and one that celebrates and supports family. And the gentleman that you're about to meet, the church that we're about to showcase today, fits on all of those points. We are very pleased to have with us today the senior pastor of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, Pastor Leighton Sheely. Pastor Sheely, a delight and an honor to have you join us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, I don't know much about you or your church, so you'll have to know. (laughs) had to get that disclaimer in at the very get-go. Long-time listeners to this radio station are certainly familiar with both your pulpit ministry through the daily broadcast of um, Verse by Verse and, of course, that of your father. Pastor Don Sheely on Daybreak, with whom many people get their day started every single day as they have for many, many years. But today we wanted to kind of pull back the curtain, talk a bit more about your pulpit ministry, talk about what God is doing on the peninsula, and in particular, the life of folks at Church of the Highlands. This is a multifaceted multifaceted congregation where not only do you host schooling but, of course, you have a church life there where folks get involved and grow closer in their walk with Jesus and go about the business of uh, making other disciples. So with that as sort of our, our um, uh, groundwork today, let's talk a bit about first some of the, the glorious history of this church. Your mom and dad, I believe, started Highlands, was not known as Highlands then. It was what, Calvary? Calvary
1: Cross Church in Daly City. Calvary
3: Cross Church. And that goes back to the late 1950s, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, October, first weekend in October, 1959 is when the church started. So it's over 60 years uh, new. Uh, very, very thankful for God uh, guiding and providing and protecting all of these years. Um, and the, the church continues uh, being a Christ-centered Bible-teaching church, uh, assisting people to know and love Christ Jesus through a great commitment to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission.
3: Both your mother and father, um have had a tremendous legacy of commitment not only to Christ-based education— but also to outreach and evangelism. And your father in particular, I, I had to laugh at the time of which it was announced that he would be retiring. Listeners can't see my air quotes, but Don yeah. Sheely is retiring, and yeah. his son Layton is going to take over leadership of Church of the Highlands. But your father never really retired. He kind of, in a sense, picked up where he left off and headed back out into the mission field. And I believe at the time he was in his early 80s, wasn't he?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, the transition actually took place back in 2006. Um, and because dad was, you know, um, he loved to preach and and, and and so forth. We had a plan for us to kind of share the pulpit for a period of time. That got a little hiccup in 2008 when I fell off a motorcycle in San Francisco. But uh, yeah, he, he always had a passion for missions. Um, in fact, um, when we were preparing for his memorial, uh, we put together a map as we were gathering information, and realized that he had visited some over sixty nations of the world doing missions work going back over the decade. in fact, um, he was really um, he, he felt really called to the ministry of uh, missions and and already had an apartment and a car in Hong Kong and took a temporary assignment in san francisco and that temporary assignment you know lasted <laughs> however many years it lasted. Uh, so, you know, um, God's got a, got a sense of humor as to how he guides and directs mom started the school over 50 years ago and the school has ministered to over 10,000 students over the years. And and now we are uh, ministering to the children of children who were in our school. They grew up and got married and had children and wanted their children to experience the same school that, that they were able to. So, um, it's neat when, when we're able to minister to multiple generations, uh, you know that's it, it, just uh, something that many pastors don't get to enjoy.
3: Well, and, and not only I think a tremendous spiritual legacy in the sense of the generational impact, but one of the other hallmarks of Church of the Highlands, and we've alluded to this in our conversation already, and that is a sense of passion, not just about ministering to Judea but also branching out into Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So while certainly Church of the Highlands is very community-centric, uh, focusing on local families right there in the greater San Bruno area and outreach in the North Peninsula region, that sense of heartbeat and passion for reaching the lost has been part of sort of the DNA of Church of the Highlands, as you point out, your dad originally heading off to Hong Kong, then that little 50-plus year-long temporary distraction, I will not want to call it a distraction, the detour for 50 years, and then finally making it back on the mission field. But all the while, Highlands was always involved in that very broad global outreach. I remember when the fall of the Iron Curtain took place in the late 80s, early 1990s, Wasn't it Highlands that was one of the first to say there are pastors in Russia, in the Ukraine, that desperately need to get grounded in God's word? And so Highlands was one of the first churches to actually establish a Bible college in the Ukraine, as I recall.
1: Yeah. um, yeah, When we was a partnership with a wonderful church across the bay, um, there was uh, how many denominations, seven denominations or 17, I forget now because it was years ago that were all involved in the project. The the pastors would go across and teach for two weeks, and then uh, we put together the team that uh, administrated the school and brought together the students, uh, graduated over 500 of the students, and many of those students have gone on to make huge impacts uh, in the the Ukraine and other places around the former Soviet Union. Um, And when I say huge impacts, the, the reports I get are... In the tens of thousands and and plus, so um, yeah, he, he's that was before that. Back in the seventies, he worked with another pastor missionary uh, in providing Bible training for pastors in Africa. So he's uh, we, we've always had an interest in in developing uh, pastors, church leaders, and so forth. Uh, right now, we have a team of uh, from our church, including quite a number of our young people that are in, uh, in Central America on a missions trip. And uh, so our church uh, believes in investing in young people. When, when I grew up in the youth group, uh, Pastor Mark Hinman, who has now since gone on to glory, uh, every year would take dozens of our youth to Mexico on a Mission to Mexico program. And many of those young people that experienced that uh, missions work ended up full-time in either missions or ministry. And uh, so the number of pastors and missionaries that the church has produced over the decades um, is, is, I don't know how to even count them or number them. I'm constantly reminded of missionaries here and there uh, that grew up in our church, and so I'm very thankful for uh, that heritage, so
3: so not only a multi generational legacy, but a global legacy, and it continues to this very day. And and even your dad, when uh, when he was reaching the end of his full time ministry here on earth, um, he got re-fired for Jesus. Some people would say, "Hey, I've done my time. I've done my preaching. I've led a successful church for many decades. Time now for me to relax. My wife and I are going to go uh, do some vacation planning. Things." Of that sort. That was never really part of the agenda at any point. In fact, in some cases, it might be argued that your father felt led to a part of the world that even some young people would say, yeah, that's a bit much. You know, I feel comfortable if Jesus wants to call me to, uh, you know, Kona, Hawaii. But when you say the uttermost parts of the earth, if you look that up on the map, I'm fairly certain that Borneo would show up on that list. And in fact, toward the end of your father's life, he was very actively engaged in a ministry partnership down there and in reaching young people for Christ and preparing them for ministry in a largely very unreached part of the world.
1: Yeah, we have a wonderful uh, partner in ministry down there, an orphanage that we've been in, involved with for a number of years. And dad wrote a book about uh, the, I think it's called Miracle in the Jungle, uh, about uh, some of the things that God had done uh, to make that ministry possible to the, to the orphans there. And, and there are literally hundreds of orphans that have been brought in or being raised in a Christian environment and, and uh, trained to be able to, to take their, uh, take the gospel back out to their tribes. Um, many of whom uh, it wasn't too many years ago were, were headhunters uh, and, and things like that. And so um, Dad, uh, Pastor Tony, our missions pastor, is in regular communications. And we've got teams that we get there every year when we can. It's been kind of a problem this last <clears throat> couple of uh, year and a half or so. Uh, but we're planning on getting out there just as soon as we can. And I was told recently that uh, Ronnie Habor, is going to be coming out uh, this coming year. And so we're looking forward to having him come. Um, another example was uh, we not only started the Bible college in uh, Kiev, out near Chernobyl, no less, um, but uh, uh, we, Dad also started a Bible college in Siberia. And uh, that's probably not one of the resort capitals of the world. <laughs> um but, uh, you know, I think he did have a, a vision for going wherever God led. And, 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 and uh, I also have a great appreciation for the um, missionary that stayed there for three years in that very cold region of the world. Uh, I can't imagine uh, the reward that's awaiting him when he goes to see Jesus. So, um, yeah, we're, we're and, and mom, it, it, you're right in terms of dad was ministering to people, even as the cancer was advancing very much so, even to the last few days of his life. I think he was still receiving visitors four or five days before uh, God called him home. And my mom, who will be turning 92 in January, uh, continues doing ministry, especially in the women's ministries, uh, and also parenting, uh, even to this day. So it's kind of a part of our you know we 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 had a pastor that uh his wife was on our our staff as one of our teachers and uh he announced that he was going to be retiring and and I was kind of has a predisposition uh to <laughs> against retiring so we invited him to be on our staff and he was with us seven years before he actually retired so uh you know it's uh it's neat what god it's done. We're
3: visiting today with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. A brief time out, back to more of our conversation right after this.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
3: And welcome back. We continue our visit today with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Pastor Sheely, let's pick up where we left off just before the break. And, and what a joy to to be able to see, as I said before, the way that that sense of passion for for ministry, for outreach, for building families, building lives is kind of in the DNA, not only clearly of the Sheely family, but of life at Church of the Highlands. And, and I, one of the other things that I'm struck by, you know, and, and there's that old notion, you know, for such a time as this, as, as you and I have even discussed over lunch, um, the United States, the world, really, is facing some unprecedented challenges. Yeah. These are certainly perilous times. i have reminded of the passage in Revelation where we're told that there would come a time where men's hearts would fail for fear within them because yeah. of what they see going on around them, be it wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes and diverse plagues, places, yeah. plagues, Yes. Uh, and we're certainly in our lifetime experiencing all of this. Now, I don't want to go as as far or take us down the road of, to eschatology and, and, and start to to opine about whether or not, you know, is this the end times? And if so, where are we? But we're certainly in a juncture in world history where there are some very big leaps, big changes taking place. And with all of that, sometimes the need to go back to the fundamentals becomes critically important. And I know, for example, at Highlands recently, you've embarked on a teaching series on the book of Genesis, and some might say, well, we all know that story. Why, why do we need to go there again? But I find it interesting, you know, if you look at the, the, the short history of evangelism over, say, the last century, there was a time where you could preach to someone about who Jesus was and argue the need for repentance and salvation And most people, as they responded to the Holy Spirit, uh, would would, would respond to that. Today, we've reached a day and time when you can't start there with Christ dying on the cross for our sins. You have to start with, did Christ even exist? Or even more fundamental to that, does God even exist? And so the notion of taking us back to some of the fundamentals of having to now minister to a generation— that has no sense of how mankind came into being or that God even exists. I mean, the old uh, debate, you know, is man a creation of God or is God a creation of man? And so, I, share with the, our audience, if you would, please, a bit about your, your heartbeat to want to take believers back to a deeper understanding of the fundamentals, because in my mind, in many respects, in evangelism in this new millennium, you almost need to start there, since so often we run into people that say, you're talking to me about accepting Jesus. I don't even believe that God exists.
1: You know the the challenges for today's pastors are not like the challenges that uh, that the, my dad's generation had to had to uh, to face. My dad could stand up and say, "Let's say the Lord," and people would sit up and say, well, "What is he saying?" <clears throat> and and they people would say, "Well, who are you, and who do you think you are to speak on behalf of the Lord?" And is there a Lord? And all kinds of of, of questions. And and so you're right that we we have to not uh, preach based on Assumptions that there's uh, that people all have the same basic understanding, and and that's even true of uh, people that are in the church. Um, you know, I've spoken not once but twice in recent weeks with young people that uh, pro- profess to be Christians, and but they have some really um, uh, unbiblical concepts of what it means to to be a Christian. They they uh, ask me, they say, "Well, God created us, right?" Yes. God loves us. Yes, that means the way He loves us, the way we were created, and they assume that certain behavior that is not pleasing to the Lord in the Bible is therefore acceptable, and and so they've taken some facts and mixed it with some other nonbiblical ideas, and and so what we I I wanted to do is is go back to the fundamentals for a number of reasons. Um, I believe without you know I don't set dates and times, but I do believe that that Jesus Christ is coming again soon. He's coming again because he promised to. And I believe that there's all kinds of signs to indicate that it's going to be very soon, which is one of the reasons why our church is so passionate about sharing the gospel, any opportunities we get, especially during Christmas and Easter, uh, sending out missions teams and so forth, because uh, we don't just assume we've got another century or millennium before Jesus Christ comes back. We want to get the message out as, as much as we can. And uh, so um, I've gone back to the book of Genesis to kind of reestablish some of the the foundations that that Christians should have in terms of how they see the world, their 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 worldview. Um, and we we, uh, we started this sermon series in uh, in September. And actually, the first of the sermon series was what Church of the Islands believes about the Bible, because people need to establish what they believe about the Bible because the Bible is going to contradict things that they're being uh, told by the world. And so they need, to, they need to, to choose if they're going to put their faith in the Bible or if they're going to put their faith in, in what the culture around them says. And we as a church, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And, uh, and so what it speaks it's, when it speaks, it speaks the truth. And so then based on that, we went into uh, Genesis. We're going chapter by chapter. The, chapter 1, the Bible reveals that we were created. Uh, not evolved, and when I did that sermon, I knew that there would be people in our congregation and on through the web uh, broadcast um, where if I presented the evidence based on the Bible alone, they would would reject the sermon because they don't believe the Bible, and they don't believe the Bible because they believed uh, so-called science, uh, which supposedly contradicts the Bible. So I actually went to science to substantiate the truth of the Bible and the creation account. And uh, when I talk about science in that regard, I'm talking about real science, which is based on observation and experimentation. Um, and so uh, things like the laws of thermodynamics, uh, that is a scientific established law, not even just a fact, but a law. And those laws contradict the uh the fundamental assumptions upon which the theory of evolution, uh, is based. However, they also, uh, happen to support the biblical account of creation. And so, um, the fact that, uh, and Charles Darwin himself not noted that if they they were unable to find fossils of these missing links, then that would undermine the credibility of the theory of evolution. And guess what? A hundred years later, they still haven't found those missing links. And, um, and so um, there's good reason to believe that the Bible, when it says that, that uh, creatures reproduce after their own kind, there's substantive scientific evidence that that's a true statement, that we didn't evolve out of primordial soup and, and things like that. And then we had the privilege uh, just a couple of weeks later of having Institute of Creation Research uh, come out and do a presentation at our church. That was booked months before, back when churches were opening and closing, so it was done by faith. And hundreds of people had a chance to come out and uh, have a real scientist substantiate from science the evidence that supports biblical creation. And then in chapter 2, the Bible reveals that there are really only two genders, so there's no need for gender confusion, nor is there a choice because it says plainly that God made them, male and female, that both are made in the image of God, and each gender has a specific role, and it was based on these doctrines that the foundation for biblical and godly marriage is established, and that is one man, one woman, one flesh, one lifetime. Then we go to chapter 3, and we find that uh, the root of sin is revealed, which is fundamentally a rebellion against God caused by believing a lie about God. And so we're reminded that it's important that we trust and obey. And one of the lies that Eve bought that contributed to that choice was that God was holding out. And so it's important for us always to be reminded and remind each other and remind ourselves on a daily basis that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And then we went into chapter 4, which reveals the fruit of sin. You've got the root of sin in chapter 3, the fruit of sin in chapter 4, where Cain kills Abel, his own brother, over a religious difference. Basically, Abel's testimony of walking with God was so profound that Cain wanted to silence the testimony, and the way he did that was by silencing Abel. And that, that has gone on throughout history, where those who walk with God are oftentimes silenced because... Uh, those who do not want to walk with God don't be, want to be reminded of, uh, of their situation. And, uh, of course, um, Abel's blood cried out from the ground, and Cain was confronted with the opportunity to confess and repent, but chose instead to wander away from God and out into the land of wandering. And then we find later in the chapter that his descendants continued their uh, way walk against, uh, against and away from God, uh, by redefining marriage and uh, elevating violence uh, to something that they boasted about. And then uh, in chapter five that we were, we find that there was another son given to Eve named Seth, and his descendants were um, in contrast to Cain's descendants, identified by their worship of God. They were calling upon the name of the Lord. So uh, Cain's descendants uh, increased in abundance of food and arts and technology, but uh, Seth's descendants, we're known as worshipers. And then uh, this last week, we uh, talked about uh, about Noah and, uh, and, and that story. And Jesus did say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the return of the Son of Man. And so uh, we're working our way through uh, Genesis chapter by chapter um, and intend to wrap up uh, with chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. Uh, before we go into our, our Christmas series. So the idea here is to establish some fundamental paradigms about how Christians should understand, uh, the world around them and God's design and, 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 uh, and how they diverge. And uh, so anyway, that gives you a little bit of background on the Genesis series that we're working on right now.
3: We're visiting today with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. A brief timeout back to more of our conversation right after this.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And
3: welcome back. We continue our visit today with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Pastor Sheely, let's pick up where we left off just before the break. You know, fascinating, Pastor Sheely, because it, it really is demonstrative of the notion that man's sin nature that came into the world by essentially questioning God. I mean, right, there's the serpent in the garden, hath God said? And here we are all these centuries later still questioning God. Still allowing our sinful nature to, to override, in a sense, the biblical laws upon which all of time and eternity were founded. From, from the very beginning was the word, right? And and we're essentially in the same mess today mm-hmm. <laughs> as we were in the Garden of Eden, meaning in many respects we still haven't learned. right, And yet, in and through all of that, God's love for his creation has never waned even one iota. Yes. Maybe part of the challenge here is that we've kind of taken advantage of that. You know, we've we've entered into a season certainly in in the modern church today where grace seems to be free and cheap and and easy. Yeah. We like the notion of forgiveness. We like the notion of God's blessings. But I think sometimes in the process we've forgotten that we nevertheless serve a well. A scripture puts it a terrible God, not terrible in a bad way, but a but a, a God who is righteous and serious, and yes. a God that 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 cannot stand sin in front of Him. Yes, and I think sometimes as much as we are thrilled about the salvation that's afforded to us we forget that you have to be you have to have something to be saved from and of which what we are saved from is eternal punishment for having offended a holy and righteous god and i wonder in your opinion is that component of the message missing today and if so is does that in part help us to explain why it seems like some parts of the church today seem to be wishy-washy Fearful, emaciated, even in a sense, and as a result, not effective because we preach a gospel that, quite frankly, barely resembles the gospel of the God that we see in both Old and New Testament.
1: Yes, I think that um, you pointed out some, some things that we need to be reminded of, and that is that we serve a holy God and um, that he has loved us. That's why he's provided the way of salvation that he has at great cost to himself. Um, there, there, There's a tendency, especially in many churches today, and, and I, I try not to be critical, um, but there are many churches that don't really teach from the Bible. They, they, they teach a popular message. They emphasize uh, God's love, which is true, without giving also... Um, equal time, if you will, to the fact that God is also holy. And so uh, many Christians are raised in those environments where they believe that God is a kind of uh, like a senile old grandpa. Um, and, you know, that he'll just accept whatever we do and whatever we say because he loves us so so much. Um, and by the way, if I can just digress for a moment, I was a few weeks ago out visiting with my grandkids and my two-year-old uh, grandson I uh, decided to throw a temper tantrum um in in front of uh all of the people gathered in the park and uh so um uh did did uh, did that diminish my love for my grandson one bit no but then I'm I'm a senile old grandpa who loves his grandson so but but you know god's god is god and 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 so I think this idea of god being sort of uh, represented as a senile old grandpa, uh, also then contributes to the, to a, a, an idea that, that God really can't, can't, uh, fix our problems, uh, that he's not really in charge. And so it's really up to us to, you know, make things happen. And, 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 and you can't really trust God to come through, uh, with this plan. And I think that's a total misrepresentation of God. I think that we're going through what we're going through because it's part of his plan, and he's in charge of everything, and it's all going to work out according to his plan, and someday those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord are going to be with him uh, for all eternity, and so um, at Highlands, you know, we uh, we endeavor to, to preach the whole gospel, uh, and we do that by sticking with preaching the Word of God. We just go through, it normally, it might program is called study verse by verse, because that's really the way we do it. We go verse by verse, either through a chapter of the Bible or or portion, but more than likely through an entire book. Right now, um, we're wrapping up the study on the gospel of John. And then uh, I'm talking with our producer. I think he's preparing the Genesis series uh, to go uh, online at our um, program next. So our goal is to preach the uh, the whole gospel right from uh, the Bible.
3: And I think that notion of the whole gospel or, or the balanced gospel is so critically important. And we see today branches of Christendom or or, or maybe better put um, imitators of Christendom that like to talk about what God has saved us to. And by right. that I mean we've been saved to heaven, we've been saved to enjoy forgiveness, we've been saved to to enjoy relationship with him. But the two part really lacks the totality of what's going on here if we don't talk about what God has saved us from at the same time. And when we think about that terrible God that we talked about earlier, God's judgment, God's holiness, God's retribution, God's sense of jealousy, and recognizing that If we only tell the story of what God saved us to, and we never articulate what it is that he has saved us from, then no wonder that we wind up with the cheap, very emaciated kind of grace where people can say, yeah, I can kind of take it or leave it. I can go to church on Sunday, get a sermon, walk away feeling good, think that I've done my thing for the week, not fully recognizing that we're missing out. On the fullness of what God has and wants for us, if we don 't really understand the totality of the entire message of sin, salvation, sanctification, and what it means to be a true disciple
1: well said uh, the word gospel means good news, and you know uh, news that 's good becomes even better when you have when you understand the bad news and um, you know the, when you understand what we 've been saved from. Uh, uh, it, it, the news is really, really, really bad. Um, but the good news is, is, we've been saved from that destiny. And, uh, and, and so it is important for people uh, where I'm going through a class with our uh, young adult ministries pursuit right now um, on a book that I read many decades ago uh, called Knowing God. By J.I. Packer, and I recommend this book to everyone. Uh, It's really a classic because J.I. Packer systematically uh, unfolds the full gospel uh, and describes the bad news in such a fashion from Scripture that your appreciation for the good news is greatly. Uh, enhanced as the result
3: it really makes the the demonstration of god's love shown toward us all that more amazing when you yes. leave out part of the story it really loses a big part of the punch doesn't it
1: yes yeah totally
3: we're visiting today with pastor leighton shealy from church of the highlands in san bruno a brief time out back to more of our conversation right after this
1: this report is sponsored by mattress firm
0: THB on scene of a crash in San Francisco. The Southbound 101 connector ramp to Southbound 280. Two cars there blocking the left lane. Traffic stop and go from the 80-101 split. Two-car crash in Palo Alto now, too. Southbound 101 just before San Antonio Road. That is on the right-hand shoulder. In Newark, two-car fender bender eastbound 84 just before Newark Boulevard. They've moved that over to the shoulder as well. In Danville, uh, northbound 680 just before El Serro Road. A multi-vehicle crash, or El Serro Boulevard, I should say. Multi-vehicle crash now cleared. Signal canceled traffic still stop from Sycamore Valley Road? That's traffic. I'm Michael Bennett. Bags under your eyes? That's junk sleep. And Mattress Firm can help. Shop the Black Friday sale and save up to $500 on top-rated brands you'll love, like Sleepy's. Plus, pair the mattress of your dreams with a free adjustable base with qualifying purchase.
3: Real Options desires to empower parents to reclaim parenthood, to raise strong children, and build healthy communities with local churches.
0: I'm Isaiah, and I'm adopted. I'm Maddie, and I'm adopted. My name is Mina, and I'm adopted.
2: Destiny and I'm adopted. Turn the unplanned into a loving
3: plan. To learn more, contact outreach at realoptions.net or call 408 229 9836, extension 108. When you need to
0: find businesses you can count on, check the NorCal Christian Business Directory at norcalchristian.com. You'll find people like Bob Evans at Century 21 helping Bay Area home sellers pay the lowest commission. License 0070 2525. You'll also find TWFG Insurance Services in Fremont, Guaranteed Auto Service in Hayward, and and many more at norcalchristian.com. To get your business or ministry listed, contact us at norcalchristian.com.
2: Hi, this is Brian Johnston. You know, there's a new idea. It's an old one, but it's been retread. And that's the idea of universal health care sponsored by the government. Now they call it Medicare for all. And many people are advocating this as a good public policy. You know, politics is actually about policies. And policies are things that, in fact, do impact your life. Some of these policies actually include taking of human lives. Is that possible? Yes, you know that it does happen. Find out more about the facts regarding Medicare for All. Listen in to my guests as we talk about the real implications of government-sponsored and controlled health care. It's not as pretty as they make out. There's some grave implications hidden in this gift from the government. Listen into the next edition of Life Matters. Listen to Life Matters Saturday mornings at 11 on AM 1100 KFAX.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
3: And welcome back. We continue our visit today with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Pastor Sheely, let's pick up what we left off just before the break. Let's talk a bit about... Church of the Highlands, and, you know, uh, this ministry, as I say, has been uh, impacting lives for decades now on the peninsula, and we've touched on some aspects, certainly, of of, um, Highlands Christian schools. You mentioned about the fact that there are now multiple generations of uh, students that are involved in gaining their Bible-based education at Highlands Christian schools. Spend a few moments, if you would, Pastor Sheely, and kind of paint a picture for us of of life at Church of the Highlands. I understand that in addition to, of course, Highlands Christian Schools, vibrant believer of, uh, community of believers there, you have service times on Sundays 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 11.30 a.m., and again at 5 p.m., and a drive-in service for those that maybe have some compromised health concerns. They don't yep. want to be in the physical congregation, but they still want to be a part of that community and attend church on Sunday, and so you provide a drive-in service Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a bit of a glimpse of of the experience of that community worship at Highlands.
1: Well, cool. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the church and then go to the school. The the, the drive-in service is actually um, within the the week after the stay-at-home order hit, I was on the phone with our liaison uh, asking uh, what they would think if we were to open up a drive-in church. And uh, Officer Scott, wonderful man, Uh, said, can you give me a moment to run this up the chain and and see what they think? And he got back to me and says, can you wait for just a few weeks because we're just trying to figure out uh, what's going on. And you remember how confusing everything was uh, right after that stay-at-home order. And so we did that, but with only two exceptions, two weekends, uh, we've had drive-in service uh, available for people that that aren't quite comfortable getting back to the sanctuary yet but want to get up and go to church and be encouraged. And the two weekends were that weekend that we had the lightning strikes And we had a guest speaker that weekend, and we wanted to protect our guests so we can invite them back. And then also this atmospheric river a few weeks ago uh, was one of those uh, weekends where um, we wanted to protect our volunteers and bless them for their faithfulness. Um, But the drive-in service then allows people to come, be in their car, um, and uh, they don't have to stay in their car. They can get outside and stand up and worship the Lord and and, uh, but it's, it's, uh, a great opportunity for those who are not yet quite comfortable getting in the sanctuary. There are more people, uh, comfortable coming into the sanctuary. Um, we have, uh, reduced the number of chairs and spread them out a bit more so that, uh, people have a bit more comfort in the sanctuary. Uh, generally speaking, I preach for the nine, uh, and 1130 services and we have a drive in at 10 o'clock. We also have Sunday school, uh, at 1015 and, uh, we're getting our Sunday school back, uh, uh, ramped up, and, and they're doing a wonderful job there. The seven AM service is uh, led by Pastor Ted, who has an incredible testimony. He was saved out of a uh, background uh, motorcycle gangs like uh, the Hell's Angels and stuff like that. And he has a real passion for God, and um, he has a different style of uh, preaching than I. I. I tend to be more of a teacher preacher, and and he's more of a evangelist preacher. He's got a, a real passion uh, for the Lord, and and uh, and then. Pastor Dave Smith has been on our staff now over 20 years. Uh, his, he's our head of counseling and he's also one of our preachers and he's got a different style again. And so I think that having a variety of styles is very helpful um, uh, for our congregation and, and a real blessing to the congregation. God's really given us an incredible uh, ministry team at, at Islands, And uh, so um that gives you some idea of the services that we have on, on Sunday. Um, in terms of the school, uh, again, founded over 50 years ago, uh, and we have an absolutely amazing team of teachers, administrators, and support staff. Uh, a few weeks before the stay-at-home order came, we realized that it was a probability, and so we put a team together to figure out how to provide uh, remote instruction and learning. And they put together... Uh, an incredible program so that uh, within just a few days of the stay at home order taking effect, our teachers were back uh, being able to instruct the students uh, remotely. And uh, they did such a superb job of that, that our enrollment is as strong as it was pre-pandemic. And considering the number of families that have moved, (laughs) uh, that is really uh, quite a statement. So I'm very, very appreciative of um, our teachers. The the Highlands Christian schools has always been known for a very high level of academic excellence. In fact, years ago, I can remember looking at um, some reports on the standard achievement tests, the SAT tests and our average eighth grader uh, graduated post high school on the standard achievement test. So wow. we're basically more than four years ahead of, of, of the public uh, school students. And, uh, and that excellence uh, continues today. And then our preschool, um, is also exceptional. Um, During the pandemic, within just a few weeks after the stay-at-home order hit, we were able to open under a special provision to provide services for first responders. And so our uh, preschool teachers, bless them, uh, braved the ambiguities of COVID at that time in order to be in the classroom uh, and provide instruction for those preschoolers so that mom and dad could go off and be policemen and firemen and EMTs and doctors and nurses uh, to do their ministry to the community. And uh, so uh, we just really have an amazing team of, of teachers and administrators that love God and and uh, love His Word and love His church. And, and by the way, we have dozens on the waiting list wanting to come into preschool, but um, we're very selective in the teachers. And so uh, if we've got some... Uh, Christians uh, in the uh, audience today that have thought about ministering to, to uh, children, uh, and they're interested in, in, in checking it out, and they want to come and check out Highlands Christian Schools. Um, so, um, that gives you an idea of, of our school. We have um, over 500 in the school uh, that come together weekdays, and then our church on Sundays, and And midweek, and we try to maximize the resources that God has given to us for ministry in in many ways.
3: Well, as you've heard, Highland's, of course, a, a dynamic, engaged community of believers with a long spiritual legacy here in the San Francisco Bay Area, whose ministry and outreach tentacles literally reach around the globe. If you are new to the San Francisco Bay Area, in search of a new church home, and you're on the peninsula, I invite you to stop by Church of the Highlands. Easy to find. They're a landmark there in San Bruno. It's a skyline in Sneath Lane in San Bruno, located at 1900 Monterey Drive and information available to you on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. You can find more information about the ministry of Church of the Highlands, along with Highlands Christian Schools. And if you wonder, well... When we talk about the teaching, what's the teaching feel like? What would it be familiar to? Well, think of the caliber of Alistair Begg, R.C. Sproul, and Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And I think that will ideally help you get a sense of the quality of the pulpit ministry of Pastor Leighton Sheely. We invite you too to tune in to Daybreak. And verse by verse, heard on this radio station, will point you to our station website for local broadcast times, and then I invite you any Sunday morning to visit Church of the Highlands, 1900 Monterey Drive in San Bruno, with service times at 7, 9, 1130, and 5 p.m., and that drive-in service that Pastor Sheely talked about a moment ago at 10 a.m. Information again on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Well, Pastor Layton Sheely, it's been a delight to get a chance to spend some time with you, hear a bit more about the community and the ministry of Church of the Highlands, and uh, we look forward to hearing you more on the radio.
1: Well, thank you, brother, and thank you for your uh, commendations, and uh, bless you, and all of you and the team at KFX do. Thank you for all you do for us.
3: There's Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands, San Bruno. Again, on the web at highlands.us.